Hey everybody, it's Corey Mosley and this is the Fearless Entrepreneurship Podcast, strategy, testimony, and real talk for all things entrepreneurship. And it starts right now. Hello, 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 and welcome to another edition of the Fearless Entrepreneurship Podcast. I am Corey Mosley, and as usual, we are talking about all things entrepreneurship. I'm bringing you some of the best guests, commentary, stories, and what I like to think actionable education that you can find anywhere in the podcast community. So I'm super excited that you've chosen to join me for another episode. And as always, I get excited when I have guests on. You know, I have guests on, as you know, that are new to me, they're new to their field. Then I have people who I've seen mature and grow their businesses over the last 15 years. And I have people who I met recently, but you sometimes you meet people and you're just like, I really like this guy and you don't even know yet because you don't know their history. I mean, you don't know their backstory. You don't know all these things, but you just have those moments. And my guest today is, is one of those guys that I, I've known for probably about two years now. And every time we're together, I mean, he can correct me if I'm wrong. Every time we're together, it's just like, I, I really like this guy's vibe here. So I wanted to, I wanted to have him on. He's doing some great things. He's staying at the cutting edge of his particular industry and venturing out. And um, we're gonna we're gonna be talking family business today. We're gonna be talking about seeing different markets on the horizon and and making some decisions as an entrepreneur when you see something happening in your business that you know you you just decide you're gonna do something about. And sometimes that means investing in another company or finding technology that solves your problems better than maybe some of the people that you're working with. And the guest I'm talking about today is Danny Zaslavsky. I I know I messed it up, but it's okay. He'll correct me when he comes on. He's a successful business and community leader within the greater Kansas City area. Go Chiefs. As general manager and dealer partner at Country Hill Motors, he has helped grow his family's business into one of the region's most successful independent auto dealerships, while also investing heavily in the community as the president of the Mid-Atlantic LGBT Chamber of Commerce. Now, under Danny's expansion and his leadership at Country Hill Motors, the company has grown significantly over the last decade, adding new service lines, additional businesses, and new locations across the metro. In 2008, Danny launched Country Hill's Season of Giving, which began with donating a minivan. That's awesome. Packed with toys to a single mother in need. And under his leadership, this tradition has continued and expanded to include other areas of the businesses and community members, having now given away more than two dozen minivans, furnaces, groceries for a year, gifts for children, as well as home-cooked meals for families with children, staying at Children's Mercy's NICU. He, along with his partner, and a proud father of two boys, and he's recently become a technology investor and consultant. We're going to talk about that. Danny, thank you for joining the show today. Thanks, Corey. I'm. I'm. Uh, that was a lot of nice things to say. Thank you. <laughs> you <laughs> wrote them. You wrote them very well. Yeah, you vote. <laughs> You've got good writers over there, sir. <laughs> I'm I'm, uh, I'm 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 super excited to have you uh, to have you on because we always have such a good time and I just think you're super smart in terms of 
just the approach to business, recognizing things, especially in an industry, an industry like automotive, which is notorious for being a little bit behind the time. So I wanted to have that conversation. We haven't really talked, when I think back to a lot of our episodes, I haven't talked to a lot of family businesses or the kind of succession plan businesses. And I think that's going to be um, interesting in a place that I kind of want to start with because many times you, you have two things that happen inside the family environment, right? Number one is the children don't want anything to do with the business that's been started, right? They want to go off and do some other things. Or sometimes you have them forced into the business. Neither of those things make them make them really good. That doesn't mean you're really good at the business because you were forced into it or that kind of thing. So I wanted to talk a little bit about your evolution into the family business, you, you developing that passion for cars and kind of what your perspective on the business was. So we're going to, we're going to, we're going to weave through all these kind of issues, but give us a little bit of your backstory. Yeah. So I'm a, I'm a kid of uh, immigrant parents. My parents came over from Ukraine in 79 and uh, came over kind of with, well, actually with nothing. Uh, We're, we're Jewish too. And so uh, they weren't letting Jews out at the time. And so my parents, 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 my grandparents said that they were going to go to Italy for vacation and and ended up uh, staying there until we could get adopted by a family in, in the United States because uh, because in in the late seventies they were they were you had to serve when you got out of high school in the military and they were putting all the Jews on the, on the front line and, and in risky mm. places and so a lot of people were losing their their kids and my grandparents didn't want that fate for for their kids and so right. uh, they they packed up and left and they came to the United States and and then I was born in in eighty three uh, but I was I was raised by my grandparents a lot of time while my parents were out working and so I. Because of that, I speak two languages, which I, I think is awesome. I speak Russian was my first language, and I picked up English when I was about six or seven uh, mm. and went to went to school. And then, as many immigrant uh, families, they coming to the United States, you know, it's like either be a lawyer or be a doctor. And so those are my options. That's and safe, so my parents right? really, really, uh, yeah, <laughs> I know, right? options. yeah. And so my parents really pushed, pushed me my whole life. Like that was the story they said, which, which is like, you know, we, we really want you to be a doctor. We really want you to be a doctor because that's, that's what they thought for me would be, you know, the definition mm-hmm. of, of making it. And right. so I, I went to, uh, in high school, I got my CNA and in college, I got my human biology and minor in chemistry until just, I ran up against the wall and realized. So you were really, I mean, you really were, you really were going down the path they wanted you to go. You had started down the path. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. I was listening to them and I was doing it, but um, all the while actually working at the car dealership Mm. Uh, and I'll, I'll share some of that uh, here in a minute, but I ended up graduating from college at KU with a human biology minor in chemistry. And, and it took me that long to realize that I'm afraid of blood, Corey. <laughs> so, so I, uh, kind of I a problem, a kind of a problem. So I, I've, I've inevitably did not stay in that field. So interesting. But, so how did your family start the business to, how did that happen? Yeah. So when my parents came to the United States, they, uh, my mom went to work for a, uh, clothing factory and my dad his skill was fixing shoes so he was a cobbler and at the on, on johnson drive and i-35 which is uh, right off the highway here in kansas city major major highway uh, my dad rented a little little space to fix shoes and and right up the street was a car dealership uh, with about seven cars on the lot and my dad walked up the hill one day and met the guy that was there named josh and my dad 
bought a car from him and then later came back and said, Hey, I, I really like cars. Can I, can I come work with you? And they kind of developed a friendship. And then eventually my dad realized the problem wasn't selling cars. The problem was buying cars. And so mm-hmm. if you could buy them right, selling wasn't a problem. And so my dad uh, came up with this plan. Do you remember when Nextel phones came out? Yes. Beep, beep, chirp, chirp. Beep. Exactly. So what he did was he, he went out and bought like five Nextel phones and then he passed them out to local new car dealerships, the new car managers, and said, in the car, update me, and I'll tell you what it's worth, and then I'm going to come and buy it. And this is back when there was no wow. you know, online data to be able to see what transactions right. are or whatever. Right. People were walking around with little books in their pockets. And so my dad developed the skill to be able to bid cars and then come in and, and buy them in packages. And on the other side was able to then uh, work these deals where we could then put some of these vehicles on our lot for sale and others he would either take to the auction or wholesale to other dealers in the city. And he created this little, this uh, network. And so hence uh, our, our business was born. That, I mean, that is so, what is so amazing that you can have all these different backstories and, and you really don't understand people's creativity you know, until you really get into that story. I, I, I've got an episode uh, with a woman named Dawn who she's a master networker and, and has a big networking agency. And um, it made me think of that story because she, in the 80s, when really, I mean, we, you were, a ba- I was a baby, you were a baby, you were, <laughs> um, 80s babies we are. The real estate was, was crazy, right? It was like 18%, 19%. So the story that she tells is, she went to apartment complexes and rented out the space in the apartment, like the clubhouses and gave free dance lessons so that she could meet the neighbors. Okay. So she can meet the neighbors and then network with them to sell them houses. Who thinks about that kind of stuff? So here, here's your dad, right? Cobbling shoes, sees the small lot, goes up and starts to put this two and two together, and then now comes up with these other systems. Now starts to think about this in in a completely different way. I mean, just an amazing story. Now you're how old at this time? Are you are you born yet, or where are you in the mix? I was probably ten years old at this time uh, when my dad got into the the car scene. Is when I. Uh, started working for the business okay. and we had like four employees and and you know as a as a son of an immigrant child you can imagine i i took the traditional route which was i washed cars and then i i, I tried fixing cars which i sucked at <laughs> and then i uh i was a porter for a while and then eventually got into sales and i remember right. my biggest concern back then is who's going to listen to a 16 year old salesman and my dad uh reminded me that if i knew what i was talking about and i really paid attention um, that, and I had something, I could solve problems. He taught me early on, money exchanges hands when problems are solved, so mm. work to solve their problem, don't sell. Um, and so I, I, I did that. I worked to solve their problems. I, I, I worked really hard to prove to uh, my customers that I, that I worked for them, and, and I remember picking up all these little sayings along the way that ended up being my personal mantra when somebody uh, would get nervous. I, I would lean in and say, don't worry, we're just getting started. Um, and that would ease their mind. And that was the truth is, is right. I was just helping them. I was just starting to help them own whatever it was they were trying to solve, whether buying a car for their self or their kid, uh, trying to do financing, whatever it was. But then I really found my passion um, when I 
we, we, I remember we hit a plateau and we couldn't get over like selling 50 cars a month. Um, and that was, and you're, you're in what uh, position you're still selling or what are you doing at that point? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm selling cars okay. and now you've left the, I just want to understand the timeline. You have, have not pursuing doctor anymore at this point, or this hasn't happened yet, or just this help hasn't me. Happened yet, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so, so this was, uh, right around the time I was, um, a senior in college. And, okay. oh, I'm sorry, excuse me, a senior in high school. Okay. Uh, 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 pardon me here. So I was a senior in high school and I was selling cars after school and on the weekends and then, and then full time around the summer. And, um, I found a passion in, uh, marketing and uh, we, we hit a plateau where we were selling only 50 cars a month. And I, and I told my dad, I said, listen, we really need to spend some money. And, and back then he was, he was like, listen, we're on a major street. There's a highway. Uh, there's a train down the road, which, which goes every hour. So people stand and stare at our cars. What else do we need? And I go, well, <laughs> you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over. So I made a deal with him and I said, how about I tie my pay plan to the, to the marketing dollars. And if, if I win, uh, and we sell a bunch of cars, you'll pay me more. And if not, then you can take a portion out of it, out of my earnings and we'll never mm. do this again. And so we did that for 90 days. And on the 90th day, I, we ended up increasing uh, our sales by um, like 30 cars a month, which was a really big deal uh, with, to do that you know, by day, day 90. Time uh, to write the check. And, uh, time to write the check. That's right. And so <laughs> one of my favorite memories was sitting in the office between my dad and his business partner, Josh. And I'm about to get the biggest check I've ever gotten. And my dad looks at Josh and goes, should we pay him? <laughs> and Josh <laughs> goes, well, he earned it. And my dad goes, well, screw it. He used more colorful language. <laughs> but uh, essentially, uh, I got paid. I got pencil whipped afterwards and my pay plan changed forever. But I learned a really valuable lesson, which was um, without risk, there's no reward. Right. So, uh, so from there, I think that entrepreneurial flame was ignited in me. So fast forward, I want to talk about this idea of now – well, what's the what's the situation now, right? So this transition, this dealer partner, talk to me for for a lot of people out there that maybe looking at a family situation, maybe they they have a family business now, they're trying to determine, you know, should they go in that direction, you know? Because I've worked, interesting enough, I, I've worked with some people who, like their parents own something else, own another business, and they worked with me at another company and i remember scratching my head going uh, in one particular instance i was scratching my head going your dad is so-and-so i remember who this is i'm like your, your dad is so-and-so he owns all of his stuff what are you doing here dude with us regular people like what yeah. what is it and you find right those internal politics those internal it's not the obvious home run that people think it is inside the family businesses. So what, what advice would you have for people in thinking about some of your story as it relates to that, that people need to consider in that environment, especially when you're a son or a daughter or that type of thing in, in kind of that family environment? Yeah, totally. Um, have you ever Googled the image of equity versus equality? Have you ever seen that image? No, I have not. Uh, so, so you might do it. Just Google equity versus equality, and there's this uh, famous cartoon of these, um, and it shows the difference between the two. And it shows these uh, this family looking over a fence at a baseball I game. See it. I've seen and it equality is all of the people having a box to stand on to see over the fence, 
except one person's the dad, who's the tallest, the next person's the son, who's slightly shorter, and then there's an yeah. infant who, and then you can't all see over the fence. Equity is giving the people that are shorter to, that can't see over the fence as well more boxes to stand on, right? Mm. Because um, so so that's what that's the way I would describe a family business. Um, it depends on the dynamic of the family and whether or not they're willing to put in the equity towards the family members. Um, and it's no different than uh, mentorship, no different than you know a vision for a succession plan. I, in and I will tell you, it's also not always clear. Um, you figure that out over time and it changes. My dad and I have butted heads so many times um, <laughs> over the years. But the the thing that a mantra that I developed early on was, if you do what's right, you're never wrong and, and mm. work to the highest level that you know. So mm. uh, another, uh, somebody else much smarter than me said the same thing differently. My angel said, if you know better, do better. Um, and I, I learned that later, but that was it is if I did what's right, the highest right that I knew, I couldn't right. be wrong. So, I, so I didn't have the fear that I would, I would like get in trouble by my dad or, or fear that I would fail. If I failed, then that just meant that I knew a higher, a higher right. Right. And so, so when I applied that to the decisions within the company, whether that was making purchases of cars, whether that was making large ad spends, whether that was acquiring property, all of that built on itself, and, and, and eventually, very quickly, you become an asset. You become important. You become valuable uh, because you're, you're at moments riding the ship when, when it needs to be righted, and at moments you're, you're uh, enjoying the fruits of your labor. And so we've been on that journey together for a long time. Now, there are other family businesses that I do know that are contentious, that have too many family members in the bucket, and, and sometimes there's a couple people in it that are just in there to kind of ride, ride on the coattails. Uh, and I've actually even been in that situation once before within my own family's business, and we had to make a really hard decision. And it was, and it was tough. It was really, really tough. So let me ask um, you this. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, no, no. Uh, but, but I guess my, my, uh, uh, if you're in it, be in it, right? Don't take a, take a long game approach to it. Right. That, I mean, obviously that makes a lot of sense and, and relationships like anything play a big role in it. So here's what I'm curious about. I'm curious about oftentimes we talk about, right. Entrepreneurship and and then we talk about small businesses on small business owners and i i believe there's a differentiation every small business owner is not necessarily an entrepreneur i believe there's some distinctive thinking and, and some different things that happen so i, I want to talk about the entrepreneurship instinct for a moment because you're working in this family business you've you know you've become a partner at whatever whatever technical sense legal sense that means right you become a partner in this business and something happens in, in, in the business relative to some things you're seeing on the landscape, some technology, some partners that you're working with uh, to run the business. And you have this entrepreneurial moment, right? Yeah. So thank you. So yeah, I've actually had two of those. Um, the first one happened when my dad had a stroke. Um, mm. and, it's, and, it, and that happened about five years ago. Uh, I've always had the entrepreneurial spirit within the organization to be able to you know, if you're if you're not growing, you're shrinking. So I, I always felt that and knew that. And so we had to make moves to 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 be better. It really hit me hard. Keep in mind, Corey, I'm 36 years old. So at 31, right, right as I had my twin boys, they were one year old at the time. 
my dad mm. had a, a really bad stroke that that um, changed the way that he shows up in the world nowadays. Right. Um, and so parts of the company that I didn't have to run back then, all of a sudden I had to run payroll, uh, making sure that we were making good decisions um, around procurement. And, and all of a sudden, you know, here was another challenge for me to grow up faster and work harder and, and work smarter and do all these things, which was scary at the time. Uh, but when you don't have a choice, you know, you, you just dive in. Um, right. So that was my first uh, real like crisis of, oh my God, I, I gotta, I, uh, I have to continue to grow. The other one happened, um, and this has been the evolution of the car business over time, where people used to say, uh, well, gosh, the internet sure changed the way we sell things. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, where you been? Um, right. And, that, right. and that's, that's really shaped the last decade of the car business and commoditizing vehicles. And, and what's even more interesting is commoditizing vehicles ha- is, is tricky because vehicles have become more and more dynamic. And when you get into used vehicles, they're even more dynamic because you consider the not just the way the vehicle's equipped or the year, make, model, and miles, and so forth, but also the the ownership history, also the reconditioning of the car dealership, uh, the promises the car dealership may, uh, will make to you, whether it's certified, warranted, whether it comes with free oil changes for life or free car washes. You know, all those things have value. And when a consumer is searching for those things online for a dealership like me, it's really hard to stand out because all they see is a picture of a car and some comments and right. and, and folks are, are price shopping. So, so, so hold on, hold, hold on that for that one second, because something yeah, immediately yeah. came to my mind as, as I think about our, you know, our listeners all across the country and worldwide, actually. Now, how do you, you you happen to be in a business and having to be in an industry that you're constantly fighting a reputation. You're constantly fighting with a stigma. I, I I get really irritated when I hear pundits or people on TV or see movies and, and, you know, there's some shot that they take like, Oh, you are, you're sounding like a used car salesman right now. How, how do you, how do you protect your family business and reputation and fight the stigma that's associated? Cause no one else, no other industry. I mean, you know, we have the joke, we joke about ambulance chasing attorneys or things of that nature, but no one, has a bigger stigma a lot of in a lot of cases than the auto industry or the car dealership industry and then you take it further where you're an independent operation so how how are you f- from your branding because when you were talking about taking care of the customer and customer experience how are you doing that and how have you been addressing that inside a business where not only you're dealing with a stigma across the industry, not just what people may think about your dealership itself, but you're dealing with kind of a situation where you're starting from a, a, a negative in many people's minds already. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. That's a great question. So I'm going to answer that a couple of ways. Um, number one, I believe what you focus on grows. So if you, if you focus on the negative and fighting the stigma, then that's what you're going to be. You're just going to, you're going to be a stigma fighter. And so I don't do that. I focus on who we actually are. And so that leads me into my second thing, which is I believe different is better than better. I think that if you constantly focusing just on being better eventually you'll find you'll you kind of run out of resources but if you have a commitment to excellence uh, in general uh, and your team does too and, and all the arrows are pointing in the same direction because because the leadership is is effective then differentiating yourself and being unique and offering a unique 
um, um, set of, of values to your customers uh, and delivering on those values is what's going to get you to win. And so, so all that is a bunch of flowery language. Let me share <laughs> how we do that. So early on, we knew that um, we sold back in the 90s, we, our, our whole uh, stick was we sell cars in the three to $12,000 price range, the largest selection of cars in three to $12,000 price range. Mm-hmm. So you, you would come to us to buy a five-year-old Honda Accord with 60,000 miles for $8,500 or $10,000. We knew at that time that the buyer buying that vehicle most likely did not have another car in the garage. They probably didn't have a backup vehicle. They probably didn't have a ton of resources. So we wanted to give them a $30,000 car buying experience for $10,000. And the way Mm. we did that is making sure that the vehicle is reconditioned and that we were completely transparent in everything we did. We made sure that our service department only serviced cars that we sold and did it at an insider price, uh, like a Costco membership price, where they were paying less for parts, paying less for labor. Mm. um, And so we protected their investment. And then the third thing was we gave them a warranty better than other people were giving because it was a safe bet for us because we reconditioned the car and we were honest about it. And right. so now here's a customer who knows that they can go get a quality used car. Um, it will uh, it, it, it is serviced the way that um, we can be proud of and that we would protect their investment. And so that repeat and referral business, as you can imagine, grew really fast, that word of mouth. Right. And right. then inevitably – Inevitably, things happen, right? Cars are, are going to break. And so we dedicated money every single month to be able to solve those problems instead of imagining mm. that they didn't exist. Right. Um, so, so that is what um, I, I'm really proud of uh, playing a big role in because that's what sustains us today. I mean, that's at the core of our, of our mission and vision when we, when we sell cars. Okay, so let's so let's go so let's go back to this entrepreneur let's go back to this entrepreneurship kind of spirit and spark. Now you you're seeing opportunity you're seeing the industry that you're in changing. You're seeing technology innovations. You're seeing things happen. Your entrepreneurship itch kicks in right from passion to make the industry better or passion, but but also you see a opportunity. Yep. From yeah. an investment standpoint, from a consultant standpoint. So talk to me a little bit about how that 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 bell went off in your head. So I talk about something called right ha- having your trunk strong. So your trunk is the business that you're building with, you know, at Country Hill Motors. But now there's some other things you want to do, some other interests you want to do. So now you now kind of position yourself with that entrepreneurship spirit. Hey, technology is a big play technology opportunity inside automotive. Tell us how that light bulb goes off and then, you know, some of the things you've done in terms of investment um, in some technology and some things of that nature. Yeah. So, so I've, you know, watched the, the internet become the new showroom for, for consumers and consumers doing all of their research online and, and salespeople um, have changed the way that we show up for customers now because because customers are coming into us with so much more research nowadays. Um, and because of that, the vendor relationships that we have with with third party with any any uh, vendor, quite frankly, but uh, also third party marketplaces like Trader and CarGurus and Cars.com and Carfax and TrueCar. And even as I list them, you can see how many there are. Um, mm-hmm. versus years ago when we were advertising, we'd be lucky to have our cars in two places, right? Right. And so what has happened is a number of things. Number one, the, the cost 
for us to uh, list these vehicles has become really expensive in order to reach the customer. Number That's number one. Number two, the marketplaces are now, especially the egregious ones, are uh, telling the consumers, come to us. We know where the good cars and the good dealers are um, and shop with us. Um, and then the, uh, they're telling the dealers, we have the customers. You should spend your money with us. And then um, the, the, the liability still lives on the dealer side. And when the consumer shopping online, they're not getting the full picture. And so it's causing uh, dealerships to really get hurt even more because it's just a big race to the bottom. Uh, and if we can't be profitable, we can't have a business and we can't serve our communities and do good things. Um, right. So, and that's gotten progressively worse and worse. And, and, and I can give lots of examples um, where um, a, a consumer would see a, a car online and, and these third parties are using superla- superlatives like, you know, is it a good deal, a fair deal, a great deal? What is it? And to the consumer, it seems really obvious. Well, okay, cool. It says it's a good deal. That's probably based right. on some some smart algorithm. The truth is that it's, it, it isn't. It's a broken algorithm and it's causing... Um, my vehicles to show up improperly and I'm competing with people who are washing their cars and putting them on the front line and, and not doing the, the new tires and brakes and hoses and warranties and certifications and, and, and the, uh, and the promises that we are, but it's causing me to not be able to compete. And so we chose to do something about it. And so, uh, about a year and a half ago, we, uh, started consulting with, with another organization, um, uh, called, uh, DealerQ. And okay. uh, we're really proud of um, of what they do and how we've helped them also create a holistic approach to to work towards solving this problem. And essentially, what uh, our our mission is is simple. We want to be able to authentically put the right features and options um, as well as um, uh, dealer values uh, like the ones I just explained. Um, in the vehicle listing, both online uh, on their own website and on third parties, so that consumers can make decisions not just not just based on the car, but also on the reputation and of the values from the car dealership. Uh, because Corey, I could talk to you and say, "Hey, you know, show up to my lot and walk around and tell me which one's the best deal." You would have no idea. Um, right. You would need you would need some more information. And and what's a good value to you may be different than what's a good value to Somebody else for for you right. maybe price and for somebody else maybe something different. So so let me put this in the context, right? So because I know when you're when you're in your industry, you start talking your industry over a yeah, lot, yeah, yeah. and it's natural to fall into that. So let me step, let me let me pull this back and say, okay, because there's people listening to this like walking a lot in inventory and algorithms, and I don't know what this guy's talking about. But, <laughs> but so let me put this in the context, right? You're in an industry, you're you're working to master that industry as a local business, right? So you're not. I mean, you can you sell vehicles to people everywhere, but brick and mortar in Missouri, family business, right? Entrepreneurship mindset. You're you know a member of the community. You're active in the community through the work that you're doing through your LGBT Chamber of Commerce work. You're giving away vans, so you're 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 doing the you're living the entrepreneurship mission in your market area. Now, through that process. You see problems in your industry, problems slash opportunities. You see things as a user of the technology that's supposed to make your business better. You see opportunities from that. Now, you have a couple options, right, as an entrepreneur. You you go and say, I'm just going to start my own deal because here's an interesting one. A lot of people spend time 
spend more time on the core startup where they're immersing themselves into it. But you say, okay, here's a technology, here's something that's going on over here that can solve the issue or better represent the issue that I see in my industry. And then you say, great, I'm going to invest in that and then give my input as a user to make that business better. So not because, listen, you could have just gone over there and said, hey, let me let me give you some advice, right? You also saw an opportunity. So let's not remove, let's not, it's not completely holistic, right? You saw a financial opportunity to be involved in a growing, you know, in a growing business and knew that with your input and their technology, I'm not speaking for you, but I want you to tell me if I'm on the right track so our listeners can understand because what a lot of people do is if they're in a position to make investment or in a position to expand, a lot of them go in a completely different area and then fail, right? They, you know, they built their, they built their, um, you know, bakery business up and then they see an opportunity to do roller rinks and all of a sudden they invest in roller skating and then find out they don't know anything about that. So here you're like, okay, I've got an entrepreneurship mindset. I I always open opportunities. Here's an opportunity from a technology standpoint in a space I already understand. And now you're now expanding your portfolio as an entrepreneur in a, in an industry you already understand. Is that accurate? That's absolutely accurate. Yeah, this is, to me, it's solving, it's uh, essentially solving the same problem that we do every day. Um, We want to be able to um, always have the lens of the customer so that we can, so that we can meet the needs of the customer and and solve problems. Mm. So in thinking with that and in thinking about all your years now on the front line, thinking about these investments, thinking about your daily life uh, as, as a dealer partner in this business, what would you say is one of the craziest? I mean, it's funny. The car, I mean, car business, it, it could be crazy at any time. So th- this might be easier for you than it is for some other people that struggle with it. But what would you say is the craziest kind of entrepreneurship moment that what, what pops in your head is like just the, the crazy, you know, we had a guy who had reached out to Jeff Bezos and he responded like that was a huge moment for him to actually get a response from him. What's a crazy moment that you could think of in, in your kind of entrepreneurship life? Oh, I mean, the craziest moment you, you know about, um, it's what, uh, uh, it's what well, I, I, listen, stuff. I don't, um, I mean, yeah, I know, but they don't know. So, so I, it was, it was about a year and a half ago when I got really upset with, uh, car gurus for, uh, the so way for those that, that they aren't work. in the industry, we remember yep. the, for those that are yep. not in the auto industry, um, they are a, a, a very significant player in vehicle syndication and, and consumer shopping. That's right. Yep. Okay. That's go right. ahead. And, oh, go ahead. Um, I, I got upset with them because they were uh, not playing fairly. They were misrepresenting uh, cars online to consumers um, and and telling dealers to to do things that um, that I felt. Uh, weren't ethical. And, you know, I, I was like, who am I? I'm one guy. Uh, I'm not going to be able to change this. And, and essentially it, it got to the point where, where the CEO himself called me and, 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 and worked to solve the problem. And, and I'm glad to say that they, over the last year, have been working to right the ship uh, because, mm. uh, because it's gotten, it's gotten out to other dealers and, and, um, uh, our, our friend Sean Bradley has done just an outstanding job of, of picking up the torch and fighting the fight. But that's um, the, the biggest lesson and the craziest part about that is, is comes back to what I told you earlier on, is if you do what's right, you're never wrong. 
So um, I really felt called to um, to say, hey, this isn't right. This just isn't right. It's not right for the consumer. It's not right for the auto dealer. And there's so many misconceptions uh, going on uh, from the consumer aspect and from the from um, the marketplace aspect. We, there's, I've got to say something. And so so I did. Um, so David really can take on Goliath. That's right. That's yeah. exactly right. It's like the word, yeah, just like the good word, just like the just good like book the says. Good word. That's, That's right. Um, but uh, I got to also tell you, and, and I hope we get to talk about this, but I am so lucky because I've had some really cool mentors along along the way mm. uh, and, and continue to have really good mentors, and I seek them out. I've, I've learned to, like, when I, when I sense the energy of somebody who has a gift that they're willing to share, I, mm. I, I'm, I quickly latch on, and, and, and I want to – I want to learn, and I want to I want to connect, and I want to grow, and it's certainly a lot of fun uh, to solve problems with people because that's how strong lifelong connections are made. So you would agree that that's been an impact, uh, a huge impact point for you, the idea of the the mentor and having mentors in your life. Oh my God, so much, so much so. It's uh, it's actually guided every decision I've ever made, including mm. relationships. So, mm. so yeah, interesting for sure. Now we're gonna have a little fun. So we got we got deep. We talked about family. We talked about all these things. When I have a little fun, I wanna I wanna uh, get to the entrepreneurship rapid fire section. So um, I know you've I know you listen to the show, so you know this is the part where I'm gonna ask you some questions really fast, and you're gonna give us just your knee jerk reaction to the answers, so we can give you know our <laughs> listeners okay. so so we can give our listeners just some insight into how you operate as an entrepreneur. It's easy. It's nothing nothing uh nothing tough here, right? So, okay, okay. Uh, so are you ready? <laughs> are you ready? Okay. Yes. Uh, PC or Mac? Mac. Favorite credit card for small business? Uh, uh, my uh, Visa. Uh, gosh, it's a metal card. Hold on. I think it's called a signature card. Uh, I've got it in my pocket. I'll tell you right now. Uh, <laughs> it is. The only guy that's going to read us the number while you're at it. If you. <laughs> Sapphire Reserve, baby. <laughs> okay, Chase. Okay, Chase. All right, Chase Small Business. When it comes to your planner, planning your day, are you a physical planner or do you use digital to plan your schedules? Uh, I'm I, I'm an intention planner. I My first thought of the day is what's my intention, and I write it down, and that governs my day. Okay, so you use a journal. You use a physical planner. Sure. Physical planner, okay. that's right. Uh, only you, you're going to take the whole question somewhere else. <laughs> do, do, you use a, do you use a journal or do you use an online app? That was the question. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I have a spiritual oh, but, guide. <laughs> yeah, I, I have a spirit. None of those, Corey. It's spiritual. All right. Uh-huh. Uh, what's your favorite software right now to manage your business? Ooh, good question. Um, like, what can't software. you live without? Like, Oh, Microsoft Excel, for sure. I mean, I use Microsoft, Excel. Really? I know. I mean, I, I have the CRM. I have all the other. You stuff, millennial, cool you. Toys, but I, I love Excel. I'm a geek in Excel. All right. So I'll, I'll note if I need some consulting. So Starbucks, Duncan, or something else? Uh, Starbucks. Starbucks. When it comes to thanking people, thank you card or thank you email? Thank you card, for sure. I love mm. writing thank you cards. Nice. When it comes to reading and learning, hardcover book, tablet, or an audio book? Hardcover book for sure. I, I get uh, people get mad at me because if you give me a book, I'm going to write all over it um, because I underline and highlight, yes, and circle yes, everything same. that inspires me. And then, Tab, and same. Then they're, they're like, "Why did you write about book?" I said, "Because it was good. <laughs> there was no writing. It, then the book wasn't any good." 
Well, listen, that's better than my cousin who's still holding on to at least four books of mine. I think he's got my 48 Laws of Power. He's got a negotiation book that I had. Shout out to my cousin looking for my books back, brother. All right. Uh um, What would you say is your next big goal? Uh, My next big goal is uh, to have impact in the software world. I love where industry uh, meets uh, technology, and and Mm. I'm excited to have impact there. I don't know what that means yet. Um, I haven't defined that yet, but I'm excited to have impact there. Nice. I like that. So good. You, you'll be on aware of they now, uh, when some people with their goals, I, I put a note next to them. So we come back like a year later and say, Hey, where are you on that path? So I'm going to make sure you're on that list. Final question. One day you, cause you talked about mentorships. This is great. If you could have one day with any mentor who of course is alive, we're not, you know, nobody's talking to Abe Lincoln, uh, one day with any mentor who's alive, who would that person be? Oh my gosh. Okay, you're going to see my cards now. Um, <laughs> you ready for this? I'm ready. Uh, Oprah Winfrey. Oprah, uh, I, you know, I, I get Oprah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love Oprah Winfrey. Uh, I, I geek out on her. You're not alone. I love that. I love how she's her own brand um, mm. and how she uh, is fearless in, in saying that the world is her, is her classroom. Um, I just love the intentionality behind the way she leads uh, her organization, um, regardless of the industry, regardless of, 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 of what it is. It's just how you show up in the world uh, right. is what really inspires me. I like that. All right. You know what's next. It's our entrepreneurship trivia. So this is our final segment. This is our final segment today. The good news is you've got a 33 chance, 33% chance to win because I'm going to give you three options. So are you ready for your question? Ready. All right, here we go. Who said the following? Sweat equity is the most valuable equity there is. Know your business and industry better than anyone else in the world. Love what you do or don't do it. Here are your options. Straight from the Shark Tank. A- Mark Cuban, B, Damon John, or C, Kevin O'Leary. Some Shark Tank. Uh, All three of them. All all three of them from Shark Tank. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, It sounds like Mark Cuban. Sounds like something he would say. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. Is that your final answer? Yes. Okay. And you're right. What? <laughs> it was Mark Cuban. Yeah, see, you were worried about getting it wrong before we came on, before, so before I hit record. He's like, I don't want to miss this trivia question. <laughs> <laughs> you, okay. you, you, you got it right. But you know what? Because you got it right, we're going to do a bonus question. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to let you off quite yet. Uh, here's oh another question. Okay, bring it. What, what is the percentage of small business owners that do not – Notify job applicants with updates. No, I don't like this question. What is this question? I don't like this. All right, I'm gonna give you a true or false one. True or false. The majority of small business owners say employees stay with their business for or more years. And this is according to the National Small Business Association. Is this true or false? I think it's true. I think in the small business world, I th- I would say that's true. That is correct. Oh, you you are the first Ooh. guy. You're the first person on the pod in podcast history to get asked two questions and to get both of them correct. So you uh <laughs> you right. have I'm gonna go to the casino tonight. So thank you. <laughs> Danny has won the day, everybody. You're 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 done for the day now, sir. Uh, 
Hey, listen, for anybody out there, I mean, uh, listen, you ship cars everywhere, software, all this stuff. How, how would pe- how do people connect with you if they want to know more about what you're doing? I know you're doing some great stuff um, in the LGBT community also. How, how do people just get in your – they want to get in your sphere? LinkedIn, where do they go? Are you on social? Yeah, Tell so, us. Uh, yeah, uh, LinkedIn would be great. Danny uh, Zaslowski or, uh, or on Facebook, quite frankly, or, or um, uh, my business, I mean, countryhill.com is uh is my business and and uh, if i can help in some way uh i'm always excited whether it be something that we're selling or even just some advice because uh i'm lucky enough that I'm, I'm, i've got some time to be able to get people to water uh, i've gotten so, again so many awesome mentors in my life and i'm always excited to pay that forward uh on the on the chamber side i'm actually i've been in the chamber for seven years and i've been president for four and um, this is my last year as president, so I'm really excited. We've grown the organization to be over 400 member businesses strong, and and had some uh, really uh, uh, we've had real impact in that space, and continue to. And uh, I'm excited to pass the torch to the to the next leadership in the future. I'm still waiting uh, on my so, keynote. Uh, uh, I'm still waiting on my keynote uh, invitation to to, uh, to come speak. So I'll be waiting. Uh, for oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> deal. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Danny, I'm so happy. Uh, I'm so happy you decided to come on the show today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. And uh, and good job on on what you're doing. I, I will tell you is really brave. And thanks for you. Just never know how you're going to change somebody's life because you're you're getting people to share their story. And I and I, I also will say I, I got to end with this is I am like the furthest person from having it figured out. I'm I'm in the in the depths of it, I'm in the weeds of it, of trying to grow myself and win at my businesses and my relationships. And so this, I'm not looking back, imagining that I've accomplished something. I'm looking forward and seeing the opportunity. And so thanks for giving me the chance to highlight that today. I love that. As I close out today's episode, I'm asking that you subscribe to my podcast to get the latest episodes as soon as they are released. If you like what you're hearing, please leave a review. And if not, just keep it to yourself. And if you've heard something today that you think can help someone you know, then I encourage you to share it. Finally, if you are a business owner that is ready to become a fearless entrepreneur, then head on over to my website, fearlesswithcorey.com, to learn more about the most comprehensive business growth support system for entrepreneurs on the planet. I'm Corey Mosley, and this has been another episode of the Fearless Entrepreneurship Podcast. Thank you for listening, and I will see you next week.